Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes on this glorious Tuesday. Feels like a Monday morning on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 or on 133 LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. We're going to be talking to Michael Schwab from the uh, Juice Box Journal in the next segment. Lots of exciting stuff to talk about. With the Astros, I uh, obviously the Astros are playing great. I, I've been saying for weeks now, looking at this schedule, the the Royals give the Astros trouble. They just they have for several years now. So when when you know the Astros have been crushing everyone, and when they were down five nothing yesterday, I was not shocked. Now, I had never seen this guy Melendez play. He hit, man, he, I don't know if you watched the game yesterday or saw the highlights. This guy's got an uppercut swing. I mean, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know that I've ever seen anybody swing the ball back quite like him, and he hit two long home runs. Um, But normally it's not a home runs. It's it's it, it's more what happened in the first inning. I think that gives Astros trouble. It's just my kind of view of it. I, I think the Royals play more old school National League ball. I think the Astros do a great job in their pitching of exploiting teams that try to drive the ball consistently. And that's not really the Royals. They're, they're very content with going the other way and, hitting and running, and, man, Benintendi's got three more hits yesterday. Uh, a lot of people think he's going to get traded. We'll see how that plays out. But it's um, very interesting. But over the weekend, you know, even when the Astros were in that nine-game New York stretch, the Yankees got off to a historically good start. Still on an historically good start. And I really wasn't worried about it. But over the weekend, it hit me, maybe you should be. I don't want to win like 115 games. I I, I just don't. Like, I, I, don't, I don't like messing with history. I don't like, oh, this is the best, you know, record and, you know, in the last hundred years, all that craziness. I, I don't want any part of that. I don't, you know me, I, I don't want to mess with history, even though the Astros have done some pretty historical things lately. Um, I don't want to mess with history. And so I don't want to win. I mean, I want, you know, I'll win 103, 104 games, something like that, but not like 115 or 16. Or, I don't want any part of that stuff. And it kind of looked like, that's where the Yankees were heading, and maybe they are. We'll see. But it hit me over the weekend. 
you still kind of want to be the number one seed. Now, again, if, if it takes winning 116 games to be the number one seed, I don't want any part of that. But I would think the Yankees would hit a lull at some point. And if they hit a big enough lull and it only takes 104, I'm just throwing out a, a number, I think the Astros can get to that. And I think that's a good, comfortable number. Um, and then I'd be interested. I say all that to say right now, if you look at the sta- Astros are only five and a half back. Like it's the the Yankees got off to such a great start that it was like, well, no one's going to catch them. Just let them do their little thing, and then they can become the New York Mariners. And, um, and and they still might do that. Like it's still well within the possibility here. But if they hit a lull at all. You know, the Astros are only five and a half back. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. We'll talk about a lot of the issues uh, having to do with the Astros uh, when Michael Schwab is on in, in the next segment. But I, um, I'm i not a big fan of all this come-from-behind walk-off stuff. That's Yankee stuff. I, I don't really like doing that. I like just soundly thrashing people. Like, I like being ahead in the sixth and seventh inning. This... I mean, I don't understand why teams do what they do. And, and look, I've been there. I've been my Astros have been on both sides of that. Just throw strikes. Like if the other team, what I think people that don't throw strikes don't get is you don't get these hitters out a lot of the time. Baseball gets them out. Most of these pitchers, these relief pitchers who aren't very good. Like, they think they get these people out, but uh, and sometimes they do. But a lot of the time, baseball gets you out. So why do these, quote, unquote, bad relief pitchers, especially ones on struggling teams, just throw strikes? And if they hit it, they hit it. But, like, the, the way that, you know, the Yankees have all these comeback wins, the, Astro, they, the Astros, they did it to the Astros and Yankees Stadium. You know, all they did was walk people. It's like they're not really earning their wins. You're just giving it to them. And that's what the Royals did yesterday. Astros are down 5-2. to two. They just start walking people. And then all you got to do is contribute one or two big hits in the middle of that and, 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 and you lose. And you lose. It's crazy. I mean, that was a lucky win. Look, the, 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 the Astros haven't done much lucky in the last three weeks. Like, really, they should have, you know, they should have been 9-0. Like, they outperformed all those teams. There was no luck involved. They just outperformed the Mets and the Yankees. Should have been 9-0 against them. Well, yesterday was just, they, 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 they hung in there. Seth Martinez is doing fabulous. And then the Royals just start walking people. And then Yuli hits a double play to end the inning, and somehow there's no one there, and the four-hopper goes through the infield, and they tie the game. I mean, that's just luck. He swings at a ball over his head. He hits a four-hopper double play grounder, and and they had him shifted, and so he, he gets an RBI single instead, and the Astros end up winning the game. Got to get the bunt down. He Dusty even said that at the end. Of, but, no, it's just – I don't – just throw strikes. If they hit it, they hit it. But why give it to them? I, I I don't understand why teams do that. But 
It happens all across the league all the time. It's crazy. Amir Garrett, humongous. Just humongous. So intimidating, looking, but could not throw a strike. Could not throw a strike. Could not do it. I was worried that, you know, when you're down 5 nothing, the base is loaded. If you're the other team, and I do it all the time when I'm on the pitching side, I'm like, just give me a sack fly. And you and uh, Icky hit a sack fly. I was a little worried, but it worked out. Astros have won seven in a row. I think it's like 15 out of 18. And suddenly, only five and a half back for the best record in all of baseball. More specifically, what all that matters is the American League. Again, we're about to get to the halfway point. Like sometime this week's going to be halfway through the season. That's where we are. Still a long way to go. I heard another one of them Nimrods today on the national on the New York show. Just complete idiot talking about how he doesn't see anybody. He he says Astros Yankees. Like he he said I can't even foresee anybody else being there. Like do you ever pay attention? And then they're looking at nothing. Why? I'm telling y'all, watch out for the Mariners. I've been telling y'all that since the season started. The Mariners have underachieved the first half of the season. Underachieved. But they're the team that has the pitching. They're going to make a run. The Rays are going to make a run. Oh, these, these, nim, these national Nimrods just drive me crazy. It, it, it's like. They have a football mentality in baseball, and they never learn. People that don't understand history, they oh, I don't like history. Well, that's how come you keep making the same mistake over and over again, Nimrod. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, I heard the, 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 this Kevin Garnett talk, especially with the Pelicans. Like, if you're the Pelicans— you can't even think about that. Why would you even want that guy? I know he's talented, but he's getting old. Why would you mess up something? Like, in, in, in a strange way, I was trying to, I was kind of in my mind drawing comparisons between the Saints throwing their hat into the Sean Watson situation. And this Kevin Garnett situation. But Deshaun Watson is a young... Now, he's got... Kevin Durant doesn't have any criminal court issues. <laughs> now, he's got off-the-field stuff that because he's so sensitive and he gets caught up in all that silly social media battles. But that's, you know, not criminal. Um but just from a pure sports standpoint, Deshaun Watson was young, is still young. Like, Kevin Durant's not young anymore. And why would you mess your whole team? I, I just I think it'd be silly if the Pelicans even explored that. Now, to somehow acquire some piece that they think they need in some sort of three-way deal, I guess, I guess maybe. But it seems like, the Pelicans have things heading in the right direction so much over the last six or seven months. Why mess with that? Why mess with it? So, no, I don't. I would not want any part of that. In my mind, again, and Kevin Durant doesn't care about me, nor should he, although he seems to care about what a lot of people think, more than most superstars do. Um, you know, if he goes to... 
a smaller market team that's not a ready-made team and all this, I will gain some respect back for him. We'll see how he how he plays this out. We'll see how he plays. But, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't dismantle my team for Kevin Garnett right now. I wouldn't do it. He's just, he's a little too flaky for that. Some would argue a lot too flaky for that. It is July the 5th. I mean, I haven't looked at the dates. But, folks, it hit me over the weekend. We're like three weeks away from the start of NFL training camps. I don't know who's playing in the little um, Hall of Fame shawls, but they're probably less than three weeks away. I haven't looked at the dates because I don't even really want to know the answer. Like, it's too soon. I'm trying to push it away, and everybody keeps wanting, oh, I can't wait till it happens. Can't wait. Well, I can wait. I can't wait till football season. I, I'm, you know, you say I can't wait till football season, and then it gets here, then you got to wait another five weeks. I ain't in for, I ain't into that. I don't like all that waiting. So I'd rather just, I just push it, just wait, 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 push it back. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not ready for football season, but folks, it's July, it's July the fifth. Before we know, we're gonna like a week from now, we're gonna be in the middle of July. It's just crazy. Crazy. June just, I don't know where June went. I guess that's what happens when you go to Alaska, go to Asia in the middle of, uh, of the month. That that kind of, that kind of um, evaporates the month real quickly. I think that's what happened to me. But, but it's July the 5th. A week from today, we're going to be in the middle all right, Saints Rookies Report, July the 19th. That's two weeks from today. Pablo, not good. I need another, another, I need another vacation before that. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and talk to... Michael Schwab of the Juice Box Journal, what the Astros have done, and more importantly, what what's kind of trying to look ahead a little bit in a few areas. We'll do that after this timeout on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 at Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 5th, 1975. Arthur Ashe becomes the first African-American to win Wimbledon as he beats countryman Jimmy Connors 6-1-6-1-5-7-6-4. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you uh, before we get to our special guest about Astro Giveaway 3 on Saturday, July the 30th. The Mariners will be in town. By, by the beginning of August, the Astros will be done with the Mariners. If I'm reading the schedule properly, last time I remember, they played the Mariners a lot early on. Got two series left with them, including Saturday, July the 30th. If you would like to win 
You simply need to register for the game clubhouse by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You could win four tickets to that game, tour Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday evening. Astro Weekend Getaways powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, we have with us Michael Schwab. From the Juice Box Journal, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm alive. I didn't blow off any fingers at Fourth of July, so I'm, All right. I'm feeling good. How about yourself? That, that is that is good. I I had a nice, pretty quiet um, uh, July Fourth. Watch the Astros in the afternoon, and uh, I've been saying, watch out for the. I know the schedule looks favorable, and it is. But I said, watch out for the Royals. For whatever reason, the Astros really had some a lot of sticky games with the Royals over the last two or three years, and they just, you know, they they just they went to Kansas City last year and just got crushed. I mean, I, they struggled with Kansas City, and the Royals are up five nothing in the middle of the game. Here we go again. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's you, they have our number for some reason. Yeah, I don't get it. I think it's because they don't try to – and I know the guy, that backup catcher, hit two long home runs yesterday. But they they kind of – they're kind of a speed team. Michael Taylor always gets like two or three little swing and bunt singles that drive you crazy, and he did another one yesterday. And they just kind of hit the other way. But the difference between most good teams and mediocre teams is the bullpen. And bullpen on bad teams walk people – and uh, that that just kind of kind of kind of what happens. All right, Odorizzi yesterday did not look sharp. Um, I mean, they didn't like you know hit a bunch of home runs off of him or anything. But um, what do you take out of that performance? Yeah, I mean, just as with anything, you know, you always got to give you got to give the smell test. You got to see how it's doing and next game. Now, he's coming off his rehab assignment. He's coming off a major injury, which we all thought he was gone for the year. So we're, we're lucky to have him back, actually. I know people want to freak out about him. But, it, you know, he even said after the game that he was not happy about how, how he did. And a lot of it was just executing pitches. He wasn't getting the pitches that he needed to throw well. It looked very similar to how he was at the start of last season. But, you know, he gave up five runs. Um, you know, a lot of them were kind of bloops. They all they all had expected battering averages over 500, so they all were expected to, to land. But he just didn't do it right. But I, I think he can pull it back together. I do. Because, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, if you take out that game, his ERA was 313, right. which is pretty decent for number five. Absolutely. All right, so the Astros, um, they announced over the weekend that they were pushing Verlander back to Thursday, and they're trying to be as cautiously kind of safe and and try to protect him as much as possible. Do you foresee a time, like, and it may even be now, that they're going to go for us to a six-man rotation on a regular basis? I think they're there. I mean, the the biggest issue is that they've got so many pitchers. You know, you've got six decent pitchers. I mean, Odorizzi can go either way. But, I mean, if you like, you start the season out, he started doing very well. So you've got a problem when you've got 
six great pitchers, but you got to put them all in there, and you can't just throw them in the bullpen or you can't send them down. It's not, it doesn't work that way. So uh, there's a couple of different reasons why they should do it, and a lot of it's scheduling, too, because you've got the All-Star game coming up. You've got some rest. You've got some ways that you can work around it. Verlander's at 97 innings, uh, 97.1. He's coming off Tommy John. He's always getting to 200, but, I mean, do they want to push him that far? So you can see by them going from Tuesday to Thursday that they're trying to give him space, even though he probably doesn't want it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they stay with the sixth man for the rest of the season until maybe there's a trade or something. I'm not sure. But I also you've got guys like Ricky um, Garcia. I think Frommer's okay, but you don't want to push their innings too much because they're all still pretty young guys. So, yeah, it, it's going to be like this for a bit. All right, so and, and I'm all for the six-man rotation, but the – I don't know if it's a problem. It's a good problem to have, like they say. But McCullers, so say, is coming back after the All-Star break. That's just two weeks away. So, like, you really, you actually have seven starting pitchers. See, I always thought that Urquidy would be perfect for the bullpen because for the most part, lately he's walked some batters, but for the most part he throws strikes. But when this came up last year, they're like, well, Urquidy is not good for the bullpen. I, I, I'm still – that's still – I still haven't figured that out. Why? Like, how do you how do you look at that? I can't believe if Javier keeps pitching like this, they're going to move him back to the bullpen. I don't know. That's a tough one, right there. Right now, it just seems that Javier is that bullpen guy because of his ability to go longer innings. I think Javier has this ability to just get in the game and do it. I mean, the difference between I mean, you all know this the difference between a reliever and a starting pitcher is how much time it takes to get ready for a game. And some some players just can't do it. Some players you can't just throw them in the bullpen and expect that they can just jump out there after tossing the ball a couple times. Or Key seems like that type of player who really needs to build up, get going, and then he's throwing strikes. He's got the highest strike percentage on the team. So, yeah, of course, that would make sense for him to be in the bullpen. But I, I think it's more of just what's going on in their head. Like Garcia, another person, he's got great stuff. His windup is so long as a reliever. People are going to steal on him. So uh, it, it, that's a really big problem because, you know, Christian Javier right now is planning himself as top three right now on the team. When McCullers comes back, he's top four. So, yeah, what do you do? <laughs> Who's going to go to the bullpen? And Jake, I, I don't know that one yet. And Jake Odorizzi, I, I just think – there's too many things going on in his head. I don't know if he has the mental makeup to to handle a demotion to the into the bullpen and then how he's going to perform there. I just think he thinks too much. I, what do you think of him going to the? I don't. I don't know if he would handle that well. He's not Colin McHugh. You know, I mean, like you know, Colin when he came to the team, he was just willing to do whatever it took. And I, and I just think Odorizzi. It seems this year he's a little more. You know, happy go friendly in the in the locker room is what I'm hearing. But last year was just a bit of a kind of a pill, right? And I'm not sure what he's got, what's on his shoulder, what he's trying to prove. But you know, even even when he was demoted to the bullpen last year, you could tell he had an issue when being yes. in the playoffs. Yes. That he didn't even make one of the rosters. I think it was the ALDS. He didn't even make the roster for it. So if I'm just thinking long term, it, it it seems like these next few games are more of a display to see if they can try and trade them. Um, now, now, if you can't trade them for anything good, you keep them and you work it out and you put them in the bullpen for long innings in the playoffs. But, I mean, 
right now the rosters, I, I would rather see them have a high leverage guy than just to put a starting pitcher in the bullpen. Mauricio Dubon, I like him. Uh, I think he, he he's constantly smiling. He did get on base yesterday, but he doesn't get on base very often. Do you think he's going to hit enough? I know I know they 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 love his versatility. Plays all the outfield positions. He can play second and and short and probably third it just as well. I mean his versatility is fabulous. But do you think are, are you worried? It seems like he goes through stretches where he's never on base. So you think they're worried about him, or you think he's going to make it all the way through? I think. The reason why Mauricio is on this team is mostly for his glove. You know, Diaz Diaz can play all over the field. He's a great glove. He's also a great pinch hitter. Dubon's on the team because if someone's hurt, he's going to be playing defense. He's going to do great. And he's hitting 224 right now, which is respectable for an infielder. You know, we're not Adam Everett levels below that. But I think for him, they just need him to take that Nico Goodrum role and not hit nothing and not hit strikeouts. He's doing pretty good. He's fast enough. He can play center field is what they needed. And, you know, when Myers came up, that helped a big time for just using him as a depth guy. But, you know, I I just don't think they're that concerned about it or they're that worried about it. Right now he's playing because Brantley's injured and he's going to keep being in there. But maybe he'll get on a bit. Maybe he'll get some hits. He's not getting a lot of it right now. And I think they're going to be fine with that. If you were to talk to James Click, he'd say that's why they brought him in here just to play, just to use this glove and let everyone else. And somebody's going to have to. Te- I don't know if he misreads, if he's not good at reading pitchers, but he, he's got to. I mean, he's like one for five or something like that in stolen bases. He's got good enough speed, so he must not know how to read pitchers very well. Uh, yeah, I just think some people just kind of need to kind of get their mind right when they're in the game, and he just seems like like happy go lucky, excited. But when he's on the field, maybe he's just not paying attention when he's when he's uh, trying to run on the base pass. So I think he'll figure it out. I bet you a good spring training with the Astros will help him out. But right now he's just there to make sure that you know he gets those outs and he's doing good. He's doing really good defensively, and that's what you need him for. All right, the Astros are going to face are scheduled to face Grinky tonight, and Grinky obviously is the strangest guy that most of us have ever followed in baseball. So. In terms of the Astros and their book on Grinky, I've always thought that was fascinating when you have a guy who's on your team and then he goes to another team. Theoretically, you kind of know what his strengths and weaknesses are, and so can you exploit it or not? So I think it's going to be a, a fascinating situation to see how the Astros try to attack him tonight. Yeah, no question. I mean, you're right. They've got everything they know about him. Just the one thing that's no different about Zach Grinky is you also – don't know anything about him. He's not even an open book. So they know what his pitches are going to look like to a degree. But what he does so well, he's not going to hit you with crazy pitch, you know, speed like he did at the beginning of his, of his career. And he was getting up to 100. He's going to throw 92, 93. It's just that he is able to put that ball exactly where he wants it. And he'll drop a 92 in there, and he'll drop a 69-mile-an-hour curveball the same exact spot. So – it depends which Grinky we see tonight. If we see him hitting his pitches, it's going to be hard for the team to get him. If he's a little bit off and not getting his location, then they're going to be able to capitalize on him. And they usually do that. You know, for a pitcher who's from the former team, they usually, you know, smack him around. But, you know, it's just like I said about Grinky. You have no idea what you're going to get with him. 
<laughs> so it's mostly going to be for the, for the you know, remembering what it used to be like with the team. All right. Yesterday, one of the things Odorizzi said in his postgame interview, and by the way, it, it, I'm not the biggest Jake Odorizzi guy, but but I was extremely impressed with his interview yesterday. I thought it might have been the best player interview I've heard all year long. But anyway, um, in terms of what he said and how he said it, but he said he he was very impressed, and he's one that will be critical, like like kind of like you mentioned earlier. He was very impressed with how Corey Lee handled the game defensively. So do you think he's going to automatically be down and they're just going to trust Castro to rest it away, or what do you think of Corey Lee from here on out? Well, I mean, I think right now they're just trying to see how, how Lee does with major league at-bats and, and catching the ball. I mean, you know, Lee has great defense, and that's what he's been known for. And, and there's hope that his hitting will catch up with it. He has not been as strong as he was last year with his average and, and what he's doing. I mean, he's hitting a fair amount of homers. But um, they, they're excited about his defense for sure. Now, with Castro, we don't know what the issue is with his leg. He just all of a sudden was not in the lineup anymore, and they put him on the injured list. Is he going to be gone for a week? Is he going to be gone for a month? They're, you know, we really have no idea. Now, they prefer to have two veteran catchers on the team because just from the standpoint of when you want that guy, that field general back there, you need someone who can really take care of it. And I think Lee, he, he needs more time for sure just because the game is too quick for him. I thought he did great catching. Um it's not his fault that Odorizzi pitched, pitched the way he did. Just look at the difference between how the bullpen pitched and how he pitched. I just don't think he hit his, his spot. But, you know, I, it's good for him to get his bat, up at bat. And when Castro comes back, they'll, they'll option him back. But, you know, maybe he's up. They had three catchers on the, on the squad in September, so maybe, maybe he'll be back up again soon. All right, I'm going to wait one more week, and then next week we'll start looking at trade deadline and trade potential trades or not trades or all that. So I've been intentionally kind of pushing that off and as we kind of <laughs> look at this team. But it's going to, you know, it's fun to be, um, you know, playing this well, especially the time of the year that they're playing this well. And suddenly you look up at the standings and they're only five and a half out of the number right. one seed in the American League. That's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty of it. The, yeah. This team right now, I've been saying this over and over in my head, this team reminds me of the 2017 Astros. And what a good problem to have. You know, <laughs> what did that team do? They won the World Series. I think you, you look at how they're doing right now in the standings. They're 13 and a half games over the division. They're only – six games behind the Yankees. And so, uh, you know, I, I think for me, what we're seeing is they're dominating the, the teams that are not good and they're doing well against the teams that are really strong. So uh, I think they were up 21 games at the end of the season in, in uh, 2017. They might be able to be higher than that, how bad this division is. But you just need to be one or two in the in the, in the uh the conference to, to get a buy and, and they're right now looking good for it. I've been telling everybody, watch out for the Mariners. They have underachieved the first half. I don't think they I'm not I don't I'm not saying they're gonna catch the Astros, but I'm just saying I I think they're gonna be in the middle of the wild card race just like they were last year. They've got good young players and their pitching is way better than Texas or 
the little the little MVPs I call them from Anaheim. Um, and, and, and I, I still think Robbie Ray has done better of late and Flexen is starting to pitch. Well, I think they've got the pitching to make a run at a wild card. Well, yeah. And you look at Julio Rodriguez. I mean, he is hitting out of his mind. Um, right now he's, he's showing that he should win. Oh, absolutely. The, uh, he's here. Look, they're I comparing that cat. Julio right now is doing unbelievable things, but you know, they've got some decent pitching. It's just that. For some reason, they can't always pull it through, and and I haven't looked hard enough at what their schedule is, but they still got some hard stuff to get through. It's going to be them and the Mariners, and, and I just think <laughs> the Angels are going to be dropping more. Just watch the watch the Rangers pass the the angels as well oh yeah it's no question yeah the, the little mvps will continue to struggle all right i appreciate it as always sir thank you very much we'll uh we'll start looking ahead towards the trade deadline a little more next week i appreciate your time thank you sir hey thank you so much kevin have a good one take care all right we'll take a time out we'll be back on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game hotline, 706-0111. Rest of the show to the rest of this hour and the second hour will be open if you would like to. If you look, if you want to call and start talking about football, we I'm not going to say no. Don't fight the feeling. I'm just personally trying to push it off as much as I can to give my mind. The older I get, the more my mind needs a little rest there. And so um, I'm personally enjoying this little, this little what pe- some people call a lull. I love it. Uh, you know, focus on baseball, need a little break. I try to stay away from all the silly, you know, talking about the Brooklyn Nets and all that stuff. I, I try to stay away from that stuff. Uh, and and kind of get my mind uh, kind of regenerated, as um, Raymond would say. Want to remind you, the game one zero three seven Lafayette one zero four one Lake Charles would like to get you hook you up with a new Apple Watch. If you would like to win it, all you need to do to become eligible is join our brand new text club. Simply text game. To 337-288-8100-288-8100. Text game to 288-8100. You will be eligible to win a new Apple Watch. It will also put you in position to win tons of other great prizes, such as Astro tickets and more. So it's the Game Text Club. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041 thegame.com. All right, before we move on to something else, I wanted to just throw this out there. I've been telling y'all about the Mariners for a while, and I'm, some of you don't want to even hear about it, and, um, and, the, and, and the White Sox. Look, the White Sox and the Mariners both had high hopes coming into this season. 
I know most of the country thinks all of baseball revolves around the ESPN division and the American League. It's all about the Yankees and the Red Sox and then, you know, the Blue Jays and, and, and such. But, you know, it's July the 5th. Again, we are um, some teams like the Rangers, just to throw out an example, play their 82nd game of the season. So they're going to be, they're like at the halfway point. This week, most teams at some point this week will be at the halfway point of the season. We played about roughly half the games. That's it. Like some people act like the season's about to end. It's like they have no idea. We got to reteach them every year that it's 162 games. They just, people can't get it in their minds that it's 162 games. They can't do it. We got to reteach them every year. So, but just to make my point, if you look at the, the wild card race right now, the, the Mariners and the White Sox are four games out of the playoffs. Four. People act like they're just way out. You know how easy it is or how possible it is to overcome a four-game lead? I mean, a four-game deficit? In three months, three and a half months, well, two and a half months, roughly three months. You got three months, and you got to overcome four games. Now, you got to win. And look, don't buy. I warn y'all every year. Don't buy. Oh, there's too many teams to lead. That is foolishness. That's just a lie. That's a myth. That means nothing. Until we get to mid-September, that means nothing. How many teams you have to lead. That means nothing. I'm just saying I don't necessarily like these teams, especially the White Sox. But uh, be careful. The White Sox have ha- have underachieved all season. They've had injuries all season. The Mariners have underachieved. They've had injuries. They're both both of them. Just white. The White Sox just went to San Francisco and swept them. They're four out. Just pay attention. That's all I'm saying. Pay attention. All right. It is, it's going to be tricky. Because of the 4th of July, we didn't have a show yesterday. Um, we are, And I think I've been saying week five, and I'm wrong, last week. Last week was week four of our Footnote Summer Project. I think several times I said week five, but that was a, that was a mistake. Uh, we are week five now. College basketball. So we've got basically three and a half days because this first hour is almost gone um, to do Cajuns and LSU for sure. And if we get enough suggestions for national, we'll do that as well. Top 10, the theme, if you missed it, is heartbreaking losses. So even if you're not, a Cajun basketball fan anymore or an LSU basketball fan anymore or a college basketball fan anymore um, or not nearly what you used to be, hopefully your memory, you still remember some of these games. So we got to start start remembering some, and hopefully you can um, give us a call and relay them to them. College basketball week. 
is this week on our Footnote Summer Project, heartbreaking losses. If you've been a fan of UL or LSU for any amount of time, uh, especially if you go back, you know, 40, 50, 60 years, um, I'm sure there's three or four or five or ten that come to mind pretty quickly for you. So college basketball week on our Footnote Summer Project, week five coming up. Um, we'll and we'll start it next hour, unless you, you know, want to call in this next segment. But we're about times up on on this segment, and then pretty we'll, we'll we'll start in hour number two today, as well as any thoughts you have on Major League Baseball, any of the NBA stuff going on, and uh, football. But again, it's um, this is that time that a lot of sports fans don't like but again a lot of people are on vacations you got your mind's got to rest a little bit so I'm all for it I love it I love it all right let's do this we'll take a time out come back finish out the first hour and then we'll kind of really kick off week five of our footnote summer project college basketball most heartbreaking losses We'll do that. But first, we've got to take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to the game. Footnotes, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Want to remind you about the Rewards Club. If you haven't joined, you need to go join today. Go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You've heard it. You've heard all the great prizes you could win, including a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse or a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, Astros tickets, and as the year goes on, a lot of other prizes that you could win. But again, you can't win any of them unless you join the, the game clubhouse. So go today. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So sign up today. All right. I like pointing these things out because these are the kind of situations that don't happen hardly ever, if ever, in other sports. Uh, And there's always exceptions to everything, but they happen quite often in baseball. The Toronto Blue Jays just finished, you know, they played a five-game series with the Rays over the weekend. And, you know, they they had played the Yankees and the Red Sox part of that, all these high-profile series. And then they go play Oakland yesterday. Cole Irvin for the Oakland A's. Oakland A's are arguably the worst team in baseball or in that conversation. They're in the conversation for the worst team in baseball. Let me see. Do they have the fewest amount of wins? I think they're tied for the fewest of wins in all of baseball. Cole Irvin has a, his last eight starts. He hasn't won any of them. He hasn't he hadn't gotten a win in his last nine eight start eight straight starts, no wins. He's going against not only the Blue Jays, but Alex Minot is one of the best pitchers in baseball this year. And the A's win five to one. <laughs> I mean, again, that's baseball. 
Like that kind of stuff happens all the time. That on paper, it's just no way this other team is going to win. They still got Elvis Andrews. You know, you say, oh, the Astros get to play the A's. And look, the A's are not good. I'm not trying to say they're good. But they still got Elvis Andrews. And the Astros cannot get him out. Cannot get out Elvis Andrews. I'm so sick of that guy. When is he going to retire? Elvis, like, retire, cat. Astros are fixing to play him six times the A's. Got six more games between now and the All-Star break. They need that cat to retire. By the way, Scherzer pitches today. DeGrom pitched this past week in a um, in a um, minor league rehab start. Is about to get another one. It's about to get real interesting in the other ESPN division. Between the Bra- Braves are looking like the Braves that finished the season last year. But the Mets are fixing to get Scherzer and DeGrom. We'll see if that is their version of the old. Was the with the cup? Just wait till they get um. Oh, what was his name? Kerry Wood, and Mark Pryor back. Just wait till they get Wood and Pryor back. We'll see if this is the Mets version of that. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. One hundred three seven Lafayette, one hundred four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. We talked a lot of Astros in Major League Baseball in the first hour. Certainly, if you have any thoughts on any of that, feel free to give us a call on the game hotline. Again, 706-0111. 706-0111. But... As we said, we got a short week, a four-game, a four-day week because of a July Fourth holiday yesterday, and so we've got some work to do this week. We had a great week last week on our Footnote Summer Project High School Football. We had forty-something suggestions, and it was tough to narrow down to ten. And it was uh, we, we learned about games, and we. Um, I thought it was uh, maybe even a little better than I thought, but it, it went very well. And, again, a lot of high school games and memories and nostalgia. And, you know, again, I it's not about bringing up heartache and revisiting heartache. Well, it kind of is. But, but it's more about, like, you know, understanding your history, celebrating the history, remembering the history. And so we, sit, we shift gears to college basketball. And it's so, it's amazing to me that this happened. The first game, you know, I wrote down a couple of notes, a couple of games that I would say. And the very first text suggestion I got was the very first game that I wrote down here. And again, I was real young when this happened. Uh, 1972. 
Cajuns are in the, uh, I believe it was the Midwest Regional Semifinals, playing Louisville, basketball powerhouse. And I didn't remember all the details, but the person who who sent me the text suggestion was that uh, James Price, who was a star of the Louisville team, injured, um, was injured, injured Bo Lamar, and Bo did not play in the second half, and Louisville beat the Cajuns. Were they the Cajuns in 72? Was that, that's about the time that they kind of made the shift from Bulldogs to Cajuns. But um, Louisville, 88, then USL, 84. And again, the K. If you're not familiar with Cajun basketball history, the Cajuns at that point had an elite basketball team. They had great talent and played a lot of the great teams and played them very well. And uh, this was uh, certainly one of the heartbreaking losses: 88-84 loss in the NCAA regional semifinals uh, against Louisville. Certainly one to remember. All right, let's go. To the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Floyd. On this glorious Tuesday, aka Monday morning. Yeah, absolutely. You know, your Red Sox got a nice win over the Rays. The Rays kind of woke up over the weekend and and uh, and, and and got some little little revenge against the Blue Jays. And then uh, y'all beat the Rays yesterday. They they played really awful defense and. You took advantage of that. Man, did, and, and y'all pitched very well ye- ye- yesterday. This cat Crawford what? came out of nowhere. Who is that cat? Oh, man. I, I, if he can continue to pitch well, I mean, that'll help us out a lot. But I was looking at our schedule just now, and uh, we got a pretty tough ske- uh, stretch coming up where we play. Uh, we're going to be playing the Rays, and then we play the Yankees at, uh, for four. Then we play the Rays again, and we play the Yankees for, I think, Another four games. So this next couple of weeks is going to tell a lot for my Red Sox what kind of team we got. Well, you know they've been playing very, they've been playing very well for a while, and they just you know you know they're going to hit most of the time. So it's just about p- pitching and playing defense. Right, and uh, I was thinking if we can get about four four or five wins, six wins against these Yankees uh, coming up. Man, that would help out your Astros a lot, you know, with y'all catching it. I think I already think the first half I catch the Yankees in baseball or something. I just think they'll have a better a better over y'all know how to be the Yankees y'all have coming up. Now I wanted to ask a question about something I seen. Uh, I don't know if you had heard about it. I did hear something about uh, the Mets possibly trading uh, DeGrom or whatever uh, to the uh, Atlanta Braves. Did you hear anything about that? Well, I I was listening this morning. Our Buster only mentioned it, and they were, you know, it's not a trade. I mean, I don't think they would trade an elite pitcher to a division rival. It's that when, if, when he becomes a free agent that – he might sign elsewhere, and Buster Olney was suggesting that the the leader in that might be the Braves. And so, again, very early in that process, you don't know how that's going to play out. But, um, but yeah, that you know, how interesting would that be? Because you know, you have all these Braves fans who are laughing at the Mets because 
DeGrom, even though everybody knows how good it is, he's always hurt. So how ironic would that be if he, I don't know, let's say he doesn't even finish the season, but then he signs with the Braves. So now you're hoping uh-huh. that he does learn how to stay healthy and play if you're a Braves fan. So that that would be that would be ironic. But, no, I would be shocked if they would trade him. I, I think it's just going to be a free agency situation. Right. And uh, the baseball world, uh, well, not just the baseball, but the sports commentating world lost another good one. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He was 80-something years old. Did you see that on ESPN? What What was the cat's name that passed away over the weekend? I must have missed that. He was a baseball announcer? Uh, he, Yeah, you'd have to get uh Well, he did base, He did a little bit of everything. Uh, Man, I'd have to look oh, at you're talking of, about uh, the horse. Get five you, names. I think you're talking about the horse racing guy, Goldberg. He was yeah, an ESPN guy, but he was a horse, mostly a horse racing guy. Yeah, Henry yeah. Hank, they called him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you're talking about. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, yeah I, I, I grew up watching him, you know, on ESPN and stuff, you know, and uh, I was kind of surprised when they said he passed right. away this weekend, you know, but uh. But, yeah, that's all I got. Hopefully my Red Sox can get chalk out some victories in the next couple of weeks, man. And uh, go Red Sox, buddy, and have a good one. All right, Thanks take care. Thanks for taking my call. Okay. Yeah, no, a lot of te- lot of games right around the All-Star break. Before the All-Star break, Astros have on paper an easy stretch. We'll see how it goes again. Struggled mightily with the Royals yesterday. Not a surprise. They um, They have struggled with the Royals a lot. In the last 10 or 12 games, they played against the Royals. So not a surprise at all. I mean, I know there are some fans, you know, the Astros have done enough winning over the last six or seven years to where, the, you know, a lot of the Astro fans and analysts have kind of gotten a little bit of an elitist approach to things. I don't I, – I see, I remember the losses. I take losses harder than I enjoy the wins a lot of the time. And so – whether it's two years ago or three years ago, I remember, you know, going to Kansas City and just struggling. And so uh, I remember those losses. And um, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, look, I make fun of the little MVPs. Again, it's so difficult. It's going to be, I'm just, I've, I've admitted this before. Like, it's going to be hard for me years from now and even now to when we start talking about the great player, like say if Lord willing, I'm still around 20 years from now, which everyone tells me there's no way that's going to happen. But um, that if I'm still around 20 and when somebody asks me, well, how good was Mike Trout? And even though historically puts up Astros have been getting about his whole career. Now, not as easily as this weekend when I don't think he got a hit and he struck out like every time he came to the plate. It's just when 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 the when the person is in your division and you play them all the time and you always seem to beat them and you tend to get him out most of it's hard to have a really high opinion of that person. I'm not going to be the one to ask now, again, I'm not an elite. I try not to be an elitist, and I don't think I am an elitist sports fan at all. But the little MVPs, 
it was funny watching the highlight yesterday, watching Albert Pujols make the last out of the inning. They were trying to make a little comeback. They had the bases loaded. They brought in Pujols, and he hit a little dinker back to the mound. <laughs> that was funny. They threw him out at first base. But, um, you know, I have my own little pettiness like most fans have. But, I no, I try not to be an elitist, and so I – I'm worried about this team. But, no, there's some really good matchups from here on out. And then right after the All-Star break, remember, the Astros and Yankees' first two games, they play a day-night doubleheader at Men in May Park. So lots of games left. Again, it's amazing, and it constantly boggles my mind every year that people start acting like midway through the season we know exactly what's going to happen in baseball. It drives me crazy when people do that. And it's it's because it's, again, I, when I think about it, I hearken back to what I, the um, Skip Bertman. That's a football comment. This isn't football. This is baseball. You, you don't win divisions. You don't. You don't know what's going to happen the second half of the season. Teams can turn it around like, I mean, it even happens in football somewhat, but it really happens in baseball. That's a football comment. That's what we need to do. Anytime these national nimrods start saying all this stupid stuff like, oh, we already know who's going to be in the playoffs, and oh, I can't even imagine anybody else getting into the ALCS or the NLCS or the World Series, but, you know, every year, I mean, it's – I mean. The, the, the Yankees and the Punks have played in the World Series every year the last 10 years, right? Every year. It's the Yankees and the Punks every year, right? Oh, wait, they haven't played one time. Oh, okay. Ridiculous. Why do they feel like they have to say that stuff all the time? It's like, think. Like, you don't have to go back to George Washington, Cat. How about last season? Can you remember last season? At this point last season, no one was even talking about the Braves. They were done. Everyone, the Braves fans had given up on their season, much less anybody else. They weren't even being discussed as an option to win the World Series. And they won the World Series. Like, so we can't even think back to last season. Just amazes me. The stupidity of people and how they just don't understand. They don't learn from history ever. And again, you don't have to. You don't have to take a history class. You just have to like um, look back to last season. How about the year before that? Or how about the year before that? Incredible. Never learn. Make the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over. We've been doing it for seven thousand years, so I guess it should not surprise me. But anyway. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, I'm going to bring up a game that I don't really think applies, but maybe it should. Maybe it should apply. And also, for those of you who were around then, can tell us about this game a little more. I was only six years old, so I've certainly heard about it my whole life. 
But I don't, I can't say I'm an expert on that subject at all. So those of you who are my age or maybe a little older than me actually could help us out on this. Maybe our friend Jules can help us out on this. Or someone who's a little older. We'll bring that up after this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports station, the game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. Want to remind you about the great Astros giveaway three on Saturday, July the 30th. You could win four tickets against in a game between the Astros and the Seattle Mariners. I think they've played... Is it 12 games so far? I think the, the six and six so far. I think that's what the – something like that. The, the, the Astros have had tr- – like the Mariners haven't scored very many runs against the rest of the league, which is why they're ha- – you know, they've really struggled to score runs the first half. But they ain't struggled against the Astros. I mean, they lit up Verlander once. They lit up Urquidy twice. I mean, just lit him up. And so the Astros have kind of had some trouble this year with the Mariners lineup. Uh, and so that, again, you could win four tickets to that Saturday game between the Astros and the Mariners. A tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations for that Saturday evening. All part of Astro Weekend Getaway, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right, the game hotline is 706-0111. 7060111. It is week five of our footnote summer project. It's college basketball week. Now, one of the suggestions that I got that I didn't even think about involves college basketball players, but it wasn't college basketball. And it, it is the infamous. 1972 Olympics where the Russians cheated to beat the Americans in the gold medal game. I don't know that we can include that. I mean, I'm, I guess, again, it kind of came out of left field for me. I didn't even, it wasn't even on my mind or my radar, but it is, it was back then there were, you know, this was way before the dream team. What is this, 20 years before the Dream Team? Um, And so it involves college players. I've heard people talk about it most of my life as a sports fan. I've seen some highlights, but I don't have it, like, committed to memory. I know Doug Collins was one of the players. I've heard him talk about it. Those of you, I mean, Doug Collins played for the Sixers and, Coach Michael Jordan at the Bulls early in his career. And I remember that I want to say he went to like Illinois State, maybe. He went to a little school. 
Doug Collins. But anyway, I remember I've heard interviews with him about it. I'd have to look it up to tell you how many other, what other players were necessarily on that team. But, you know, we, most of us that have ever heard about the Olympics and all that, we've heard about getting so so supposedly cheated by the by the Russians in the 1972 gold medal Olympics basketball game. So anyone um I don't know. I don't know if we can include that in the overall one. Certainly won't be on the UL one or the LSU one. But uh, I don't know if we can include that one in the overall one. But it's certainly worth reminding if anybody knows like any of the details for any of that or can 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 help us out on that but it's it it, it, it's an interesting all right got our first lsu suggestion again the game hotline is 706-0111 706-0111 i think a lot of older people have been following lsu basketball indiana is going to come to mind and the first suggestion, Bobby Jones, that that makes sense as what one of the other players that was on that team also later played for the Sixers. Bobby Jones, um, nineteen eighty-seven, lead eight, LSU, Indiana. Very, um, very memorable, frustrating game. I think that is definitely. Top 10, probably top five on an LSU list of of frustrating, heartbreaking LSU basketball losses. I, w- I would say that um, that 87 loss to um, Indiana was definitely, would definitely be on that list. So it's... Um, you know, we got a long way to go in three and a half. Well, you know, a little. We got. We only have three more shows after today, but certainly um, would welcome any of the suggestions there. Again, the game hotline is seven zero six zero one 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 seven zero six zero one one one. We also got. You know, I've intentionally not looked at this. Football players are going to be reporting like in two weeks. In some cases, rookies. So in three weeks from now, we're going to be full-fledged in the begin. You know, training camp will have started. On Thursday, the plan is to kind of reconnect with our old friend Luke Johnson, with the advocate at NOLA.com, and kind of, you know, now that we're about three weeks away from camp starting, kind of seeing what – um what Luke's thinking, where, 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 what is, you know, what is he thought of all the moves and where, where the saints are. And so we'll do that on Thursday. Again, I know I'm trying to push it away. I know many of you can't wait. You're counting down the days to when football starts. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to kind of throw you a bone. Kind of get me going. Luke normally calms me down when it comes with getting fired up about Saint subjects. Uh, so we'll see what happens. In the offseason, sometimes he fires me up just because 
his opinion's a little different than mine. But during the regular season, he normally calms me down. We'll see what happens in our uh, in our conversation on Thursday, which is only two weeks away. Again, we got to – I mean, two days away. We got to get – we, me and you, we all got – like today is not Monday. Today is Tuesday, which is a little bit ironic because there's a day game. You don't see too many day Tuesday games. Um, there is, um, a lot of times on getaway days, which sometimes is on a Wednesday and sometimes it's on a Thursday, you will get a day game, but you don't see too many day Tuesday games. The Padres play the Mariners this afternoon. Now, you know, old school Wrigley, you, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about every, anybody else. Like you don't see too many Tuesday afternoon games. It's normally a full fledged not get away day, you know, it, it, you know, unless it's some sort of holiday for some reason, there's no, you know, you wouldn't normally see a Tuesday afternoon game, but there is one today in San Diego and, and the Mariners won yesterday eight to two and the Mariners had lost like 14 out of 17 or something against the pod. Padres have been owning the Mariners. So that was a nice win for the Mariners at San Diego. Yesterday, they, don't, they ain't won many games at San Diego in recent years, so we'll see how um, how that plays out today. But no, it is um, still got plenty of baseball to talk about. But we will start talking about football, and if you know, you know how this works. If you want to call and talk about it, we'll certainly discuss it. But in terms of me generating it, it we will be talking to Luke on uh, on Thursday. And between now and then, hopefully we'll get a lot more of your college basketball selections. Again, so far, we got to do, I don't think, I don't know that the Olympic one will apply. But again, it's still a great history lesson. We got the Cajuns losing to Louisville in the 72 regionals and LSU uh, in the Elite Eight, 1987 to Indiana. Um, there's quite a, there's, there's several. LSU versus Indiana basketball games that would fall under this frustrating tag for sure. That 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 is definitely would be the case. Um, again, the game hotline is seven zero six zero one one one. All right, I'm getting some names in here: Tom McMillan, Tom Burleson, Ed Ratliff. Old school Cajun fans certainly know who Ed Ratliff is. Tom Burleson was this humongous center. Tall, tall, tall guy. And um, I want to say he was on that NC State team with David Thompson that beat UCLA. UCLA didn't lose much in those days. But I want to say Tom Burleson was on that, uh, was was a teammate of David Thompson at NC State that beat UCLA. I wouldn't say that I'm a UCLA fan. Uh, and so I... Um, have vague memories of that game in the NCAA tournament, and I certainly was not pulling for for UCLA. Certainly was not doing that. Um, tomorrow we will, uh, you know, we'll see how many suggestions we get today, and then tomorrow we'll start, um, you know, getting hot and heavy into kind of my wheelhouse. 70s, late 70s. But really, the '80s. Um, in the '80s, I was uh, like, as I said last week, a humongous 
Cajun basketball fan and got had a lot of great victories but had some agonizing losses and then once you get to the 90s late 80s into the 90s you kind of shift gears for Cajuns into a whole different era of hatred a whole different era and it revolves around mostly around one man and his name is Tim Floyd so we don't want to go there today unless someone suggests it but We'll have, our, I mean, our own segment or two on the hatred of Tim Floyd and his little basketball team. A lot of perspective to add there. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Foot, how you doing? Good, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, sir. Hey, I know that uh, high school heartbreak games were last week, but I have a really good one for you. Okay. So I went to Westminster, and Appaloosa is coached by Tommy Dadaw. And uh, our first three years of high school, we won a combined four games, and we had six head coaches, believe it or not. Uh, but so Tommy comes in, and uh, so our senior year, we started off 4-0. We lost the next two. Uh, we, we won the last uh, four, finished 8-2. and two. Went into the uh, playoffs. The Sacred Heart uh, shut Sacred Heart out. Beat Jonesboro Hodge really badly, forty-eight to thirteen, with um, Charles Scott. And then we played Mamu in the quarters. Well, so we go up fourteen zero. They tie at fourteen fourteen. It goes twenty-one twenty-one, twenty-eight twenty-eight. Fourth quarter, they going for it. On our side of the field, we stopped them, okay? Uh, get the ball back. We drive down a little bit, get in the field goal range. Call a timeout, 1.7 seconds left. We had an excellent field goal kicker, John Ross Prudham, who could hit it from 50. Well, it's a it's about a uh, 30-yard field goal. So we're like, hey, we're going to the semis. Snap, hold, kick. Somehow it hits the center's head, okay? It goes straight into the air in slow motion. The fastest kid on their team, again, number three with dreads, catches the ball. The horn's going off. He takes it down the sideline and takes it to the house. Ball game. Yes, very agonizing. And we actually had Coach Battle on last week, and he described some of that. Uh, and that that ended up being number five on our top ten of nice. uh, of, of, nice. of heartbreaking losses. Yes, it, it it definitely made it. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate all you do. Strolls on a uh, on a nice little win. Oh, streak, yes, sir. very nice. Always good to win. Yes, sir. Hey, and did the Saints? Uh, what what's going on with Daryl Williams? Daryl Williams signed with, who was it, the Cardinals maybe? He signed with someone else. So they're not getting Daryl Williams. Uh, you know, who knows what they're going to end up doing. Some people are talking Kareem Hunt. Uh, we'll see if that would happen. But at some point, they have to address that running back situation. Hopefully they do it soon. But, but no, it's not going to be Daryl Williams. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you, Foot, and have a great day. All right. Thank you very much, sir. Am I thinking right? Is that what he did? Yeah, I think it was the Cardinals. It's not the Saints. Um, we'll, Kareem Hunt. 
oh, I would certainly take Kareem Hunt, but I don't know the, I, I, you know, I don't know. It might take too much to get Kareem Hunt, but no, that was um, that was um certainly a memorable one that Jordan was telling us about. Um, and we'll ask Luke. I I I, I think it's possible that they're going to wait and just see what the options are. Something's going to play itself out it, in terms of solving the running back problem. If it ends up being Kareem Hunt, which I don't really think, but if it does, you know, I'd be all for that. Again, it's tricky. You just don't know what that player's role is going to be. You just don't know. Chances are Superman, Mark Ingram, is going to be unhealthy and hurt because he's always hurt. But uh, especially at his age as a running back. So I don't know that you can count on him. And so it, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle that. I'm sure the Saints have a plan and a contingency and two contingencies. But when you're on this side of the fence, and you know it can it can be harder to be patient as a fan. We'll see how it plays out. Again, that's one of many questions. Plan on asking Luke on Thursday. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll again the phone lines will be open. We treat it as a Monday, even though it's a Tuesday. Mostly, we did talk to Michael Schwab about the Astros. But if you have any other suggestions, NFL. Footnote Summer Project, Major League Baseball, whatever. There'll be another segment to do so on the other side. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to remind you, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do to win is to join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-288-8100, Text GAME to 288-8100. You will be eligible to win an Apple Watch, as well as put yourself in position to win all kind of great prizes, including Astro tickets. It's the GAME Text Club. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Good morning. Good morning, sir. This is Jared. Um, you started to bring up something towards the end of the last segment that kind of uh, sparked a question that's been concerning me about the Saints. Um, I sent some texts to my boy Raymond, and uh, we were kind of going back and forth. You know, it seems like it's taking the Saints a while to make a decision on how they're going to fix the running back position. Um 
in the past few years, we've seen very, very small, tiny things derail this same season. You know, we saw the the miracle in in uh, Minnesota. We know a cornerback turns his head and the receiver jumps over him. The not the no call, um, the the push off pass interference in the in the end zone to lose again to, to Minnesota. It just seems like it's been very very small singular events that derail the same season. I happen to feel that this year what they've amassed, especially on paper, is very, very close, like one or two players away from a Super Bowl contender, to be honest with you. I think uh, a veteran back and um, the signing of, of another middle linebacker could could probably be the two things that would would put the Saints in contention to, to be in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, what kind of shame would it be if the one crazy punch that Alvin Kamara threw is that one little split second of bad decision that, that, that kills the Saints again this year? Well, it certainly could, no question. And, again, that's why uh, – well, but, again, I say that's why. I, I've, been, I've been crying to get a legitimate backup running back long before he ever went to Las Vegas. I mean, look – in my mind, all you have to do, even if there was no Las Vegas incident, all you just look at the Arnolds. You don't want to make your Z, you know, your Z twenty eight or Ferrari right. or whatever yeah. into a dump truck. That's stupid. What the Arnolds did with McCaffrey was stupid. Like you have this elite running back. Why turn him into the where you overuse him and he's hurt all the time and he's no good to you? So the the Astros, the Astros, the Saints need to uh, they needed a running back in my opinion long before this happened. But now that this Las Vegas thing happened and you have this potential long term su- suspension hanging over you, you absolutely need to address it. Now it could still be addressed. It could still be addressed. Like, no, I mean, I feel like before they could use Ingram as their battering ram back, and they had Kamara out in space. But now that Kamara's going to be out, they're going to have to try to use Ingram. And, of course, after the first game, he's going to get hurt. So, so you know, what happened to the Henderson guy that they were after, and what and and what are the chances for Kareem Hunt? I mean, I, I kind of – Again, I Kareem Hunt would be a trade. I, I've heard people keep mentioning that. On an, on the national scene, I'm talking about. But to oh, me, I don't think Kareem. I don't know that the Saints would be willing to give up a lot to get Kareem. Huh? I don't know what it would take, but it would that would require, um, you know, maybe a little more than we want to than the Saints would want to do. We'll have to wait and see. And look, there are other op. They've had all these guys come in from Sony Michelle and David Johnson, and none of them have worked out. And some of these guys have signed for hardly nothing. So it's not like it would take this incredible package to, to solve this issue we'll see again the original the guy sony i wanted michelle was booker and he's still out failed. there i'm sorry the sony michelle project has already failed yeah he went to miami okay um i, I just i've been out of the loop for a while yeah. i apologize for other calls no that's no problem who have been in the loop um and what about the middle linebacker thing what are they gonna do just let that fester I don't think there is a like they, they say so they they don't even really play with a middle linebacker anymore. So like they haven't 
Quan Alexander is still in limbo. He still they haven't addressed that issue, so that's still that's possible. Kind of, that's kind of what I was hoping to hear. Yeah, an that, 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 I was that, hoping that, to hear an, a yes on Quan Alexander. Yeah, I, I would love that. But again, they really like Werner. Uh, Werner was a guy that I wasn't all that high on, but they loved him, and I thought he played very well last year. And so, you know, obviously they re-signed to uh, Demario Davis to a longer-term contract, and. Uh, he's, you know, a stud, and then you have Werner, who they kind of like, and if they bring Quan back, it just adds to the incredible depth of this team. And again, I already oh, yeah. think this is the the best roster in Saint history. But but if they bring Quan back, then uh, you know that will be a slam dunk in my that's mind. That's why I feel like I feel. I mean, they're two acquisitions away from a Super Bowl. I mean, literally a, a signing of Quan Alexander and a, a reliable running back and. That's it. <laughs> you know, give them the trophy. And, and, and you, you know, got, well, again, you got to stay healthy. I mean, you know, yeah. if they have the kind of injuries they had last year, it's not going to matter. But, um, you know, again, on it's one thing having a roster on paper, then you got to get the breaks to go your way. And hope, hopefully they're certainly due for some breaks to go their way for sure. They are. Yes. Absolutely are. I appreciate right, the call, sir. My call, man. Thank you. No, again, I'm hoping, hoping the breaks go their way. Look, I I, uh, I think they can be fine without signing Quan Alexander, but man, I just I just it's like having a luxury at that position. I would love for that to happen if they could figure out a, a way to make that happen. And then, you know, again, there there are, I think there are a lot of potential options for backup running back. Again, you're not trying to acquire an All Pro player. You, j- you just need a veteran. I've been hammering this point home, and I think the Saints get it. And I think they're going to do it in time. They better. They better do it in time. But, you know, it it can be hard for fans on, on this side of the fence, not knowing what they're thinking, to just try to figure out. Like, again, all to Jared's point, all these little things have gone wrong that have derailed what could have been an even better era of Saints football. Um And hopefully they can uh, prevent that from happening. You never know what's going to happen, but you want to prevent and address the issues that you can address. I don't think they addressed the running back situation very well last year. Still time to do it this year. Hopefully they can get that done. All right, we will take a timeout, come back, finish out this glorious Tuesday feels like a Monday edition of footnotes. We'll do that next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, if you haven't joined the game clubhouse, you need to do it today. It's free. It's simple. And so sign up today. You have all kind of prizes you can win. If you just go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today and join the game clubhouse. All right, Major League Baseball tonight. You know, it's funny because we mentioned earlier, and even when Michael was on, about the Astros playing against Zach Greinke. And I think that's going to be entertaining just on itself. You know, that guy's from another planet. I mean, he makes Mark from Mark look normal, this cat, Zach Greinke. But the thing that's interesting tonight, like I mentioned that day game, 
unusual Tuesday day game where Logan Gilbert, great young pitcher for Seattle, was going against Mike Clevenger, who has been injured, but he's, his last few outings have been very good. And they're just building up his pitch count back. That is an elite pitching matchup between Gilbert and, uh, and well, I say elite, a really good pitching matchup between Gilbert and Clevenger. But the, the rest of the league, not a lot. Like Scherzer comes back, and obviously he's an elite name. But listen to some of these other matchups. Not a good night for matchups. Spencer Howard against Austin Voth. Paulo Espino against Christopher Sanchez. Cal Quantrill against Drew Hutchinson. Andre Palante versus Ian Anderson. Uh, Chris Archer against Michael Kopech. That's pretty good. Alex Wood against Tyler Gilbert. Okay. Uh, Kikuchi against Adrian Martinez and Herman Marquez against Mitch White. Not a great night for matchups in Major League Baseball. So, really, I think Luis Garcia against Zach Grinke is the most interesting one because it's the Astros and, two because Grinke is Grinky Dinky Dong is who Grinky Dinky Dong is. But other than that, Gilbert and Clevenger, when it's not a great one, Noah Syndergaard against Sandy Alicantra is, is interesting because Alicantra is one of these old-school guys. He kind of reminds me of um, LeVon Hernandez, a younger version, more in his prime than LeVon Hernandez, the kind of guy who could go out and pitch a complete game on any given day, which is not something that you see a whole lot anymore in Major League Baseball. So he's a little bit of a throwback pitcher, which makes him interesting, and we'll see what Scherzer does tonight. Uh, Jamison Tyon against Jose Quintana. That's a pretty good name matchup. Jose Quintana's not what he once was, but still a veteran pitcher who has some name recognition uh, in the Yankees starting against the Pirates. So we'll see what happens. And, of course, you know baseball. You could have something, you know, not a great pitching matchup, and it turned out to be – a gem of a game that's just you just never know how that's going to play out so we'll see what the Astros can do tonight against Grinky Dinky Dong and again right here uh, you can hear all that action right here on uh, the game 103.7 the game 104.1 Lake Charles all right that will do it for today's Tuesday feels like a Monday edition of footnotes. Y'all have a nice day.